Welcome in, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be back in the Didge, although I love going over to Sports Radio 610 as I did on Monday night. I'm your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and a little over 24 hours away from the NFL draft. Joining me right now, as he will throughout the weekend, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Draft time, Mark. Get excited. It is so exciting. And you know what? I'm so pumped up about round one, really. You, yeah. Andre Ware, me, we're going to be hunkering down here in the studio doing the broadcast. Yep. And we've never worked with Andre on a draft broadcast before, so I'm looking forward to that part of it. And yep. even though the Texans don't have picks, I mean, all the drama with the quarterbacks in the first round, what the AFC South teams do, what the Texans' opponents do, just what happens overall. It's so exciting. It's the offseason Super Bowl. It's here. This is the eve of the draft. I'm pumped. When was the last time there was some drama and some intrigue that you can remember around pick number one? I, I tried That's to think back. I couldn't think of one going back. I mean, we knew pretty much. We knew Miles Garrett last year for mm-hmm. the most part. We knew Clowney in 14. We knew the quarterbacks before that with with uh, Winston and Goff. We knew they were going to be. There was a little bit with Goff, but at, right at the end it was like, okay, it's Goff and then it's Wentz. We knew that. I have no idea what the Browns are going to do at one. None. And I, I actually, I like it. I love it. Makes more intrigue that first pick because it changes everything at that point. Who goes number one? It's funny with the Jets. I mean, when you look at the Jets saying they like Baker Mayfield, yeah. that they like him. Yeah. How does that happen? How does Mike McCagnan come out and say that? But he does. He says, we like a lot of the quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. we like him. But you know, he specifically nothing. asked about him. Yeah. I can't believe GMs. I know Brian Gain talked last Friday. Anybody who speaks this week, I'm thinking, that's so close to it. That's just <laughs> yeah. so close. And Brian Gain, you could go through the whole thing and not find anything right. that's going to give away what they want to do, other than the fact that he said he does admit, and he did this previously too, he does admit that need does come into play. He said, theoretically, it doesn't, but it does yeah. because you do have needs and you're not going to draft a quarterback in the third round, I don't think, if you're the Houston Texans. We'll find out soon enough on yeah. Friday night. So Friday night, a lot of suspense. Here's the other thing about Friday night. The draft party's here at NRG Stadium. We'll be on the first concourse doing our show where we always do it. And I'm wondering, John, what it's going to be like Friday night when that fourth pick in the third round arrives and all the fans are there. There's going to be first-round pick enthusiasm and excitement. Third Who, round is pick. Who is it? Who is it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, but there's not going to be that build-up. You're not going to have Goodell at the podium. It's round three for crying out loud. It's going to leak out on Twitter or something like that. But the fans in the building might be finding out from us. It'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. I'm excited yeah. for that moment. Yeah, I, I, I am as well. It's, it really is. And the Rams have got to wait even longer. The Rams are on the clock until number 87. Now, they also brought in Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters and yeah. Dominican Sue. And so they've done been, well for themselves. They, they've done pretty well. So They went Jaguar. There's that. They went Jaguar on themselves. Uh, yeah, they, Is that what we call it now? Yeah. I don't know what to call it. I guess. I think about it from this, this perspective. Back in 2005, the Giants were – in 2004, the Giants were picking fourth. Right. And the Chargers were picking first. And the Giants wanted Eli, and Eli didn't want to go to San Diego. But Eli wore a Charger hat that night, he that did. day. It was he during did. the day then. He did. He did the. He did the. Uh, I guess the politically correct thing as it pertains mm-hmm. to the draft with Paul Tagliabue. A little while later, he gets traded to the Giants. But in doing so, the Giants in those three spots 
The Chargers got Philip Rivers, and they were happy with that, but they also pulled in some picks. So that left the Giants draft picks in 2005 a very small lot. Mm-hmm. Four players. That was it. The first pick was in the second round at pick number 43, Corey Webster. Starter, had the interception against Brett Favre in the NFC Championship game. Right. Good player from LSU. Third round, pick number 74, Justin Tuck, Pro Bowl defensive end from out of Notre Dame. Fourth round, pick 110, Brandon Jacobs, Southern Illinois. Three of the four picks were guys that not only made the roster but made a significant impact for the Giants. So you can have a small draft. You just got to make sure that you hit on those. And obviously Coughlin and the guys there in New York, Jerry Reese, they hit on those four. You brought up the Rams and their free agent binge here, and I said they went Jaguar. So now the Vogue thing seems to be go with the free agents because they're going to work out. How many years did we have? How many examples did we have of teams that went heavy in free agency and have it backfire on them? Washington maybe 15 years ago. Uh, You look at – You can say Jacksonville in 15. I mean, they went with Dan Scuda and Julius Thomas – Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to remember, there was one other player they went with. They kept going there because they were and drafting so badly yeah. overall. And they had a bunch of money to spend because they couldn't draft and develop their own and pay their own. What about the Eagles? Dream team, Vince Young. Yeah, that was uh, Namdi Asamoah. That didn't Vince. work out. Yeah, that it was 2011. Out it worked out terribly yeah. for them. So you just never know. And I think with the Rams, they already have a solid foundation. Obviously, mm-hmm. they went to the postseason. But when you look at, I think the problem with free agency is this. Never mind the contract issues. You have a lot of veterans. Great, great. But how do they gel? How does the chemistry really work out? When you draft, you cited the Giants draft. Yeah. They had the following five, year after yeah. the uh, Eli trade. When you draft guys and they come in as babies, NFL babies, and they grow up together, they're bound to generate the kind of chemistry that you, you hope for yeah. if they're really good. Yeah. But if you bring in a lot of guys who are already really good, it's hard to say. You know, egos are what they are. These are established veterans. We'll see how they go. The Texans free agent class is a very kind of selective value class. Uh, the real, obviously, bell cow guy of the class is Honey Badger, is Tyron Matthew. And he's just such a total pro and yep. so pre-adored and respected anyway. Adored yep. might be too strong a word. Respected by everybody in the building, and he has that mutual respect. It's interesting when Deshaun sat in here and we asked him, about that. And we yeah. asked Tyron about that. I mean, look, Tyron's 25. Deshaun's 22. There's only three years yeah. difference. But when you're, when you're growing up, you're watching the guys on, in college. You're watching the level that you're, you're going to go to. Mm-hmm. And who did you see? And he said it. He saw Cam. He saw Tebow. And he saw Tyron Matthew. I yeah. mean, those guys. And, of course, then Deshaun went to an ACC yeah, school. Tyron Matthew is old. Yeah. He's like an old veteran, and he's he 25 is. years old. But he he's a, he's like a 30-year-old maturity 25-year-old, yeah. just like DeAndre Hopkins, who's been in the league. It feels like a long time, and yeah. he's still in his mid-20s. Some of these guys come in so young, it's just that way. It warmed my heart yesterday, walking out of the studio, going to the cafeteria, and DBs were walking out, and Tyron and J. Joe just lockstep with one oh, another, yeah. just talking football. I was like, that's cool. I yeah. like I like I like that a lot. It's funny because, and that's why this program I think uh, does a service, if you will, for Texans fans. We keep you plugged in year round, yep. kind of get you fired up for the season year round because we have it every day. We're lucky enough to work in this building, and right now the players are back for conditioning. So you know, you and I are walking down the hallway. Yesterday we see Jadeveon Clowney, and that gets you pumped up. Just yep. seeing JD 
like the mere yeah. sight of him yeah. makes you think football, yeah. kill the quarterback. It's coming. And we have that every day working here, and so we're trying to bring that to you through the radio, through whatever social media channels we have. That's our job. Okay, so here's mm-hmm. the question, okay. and I got this question on Monday night, and I thought it was – I thought it was a really intriguing question because there's two ways that you can play this. Right. Number one, let's say the Texans did not get Deshaun Watson in the trade last year and still had their pick this year sitting at number four. All right, so they need a quarterback. So they don't have Watson. You're saying in a, do in not a hypo- have Watson. Hypothetically, they don't have Watson. They never don't made have the Watson. Watson deal. Never made the Watson deal. Staying with their pick in the first Did round. Did they still get rid of Brock last year in this little hypothetical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They still okay. get rid of Brock. Okay. Yeah, of course. So they went, course. you know, it's funny because you get rid of Brock, you don't have Watson, you go 4-12. and 12. It's so funny because Watson, he contributed to those wins. Yes. Yet you're thinking, oh, man, I mean, he got hurt, obviously. We all know what happened. It's just like right. that's the, pretty much the record you would have had. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. So you don't have Watson. You're sitting at Maybe pick number worse. four. Mm-hmm. So at that point, a couple of things. Number one, you go the free agent route again. You yeah. throw a bunch of money at Kirk Cousins. Do you throw some money at Case Keenum and try and bring Case back after a year with Minnesota? W- would they have done that? Yeah, would mm-hmm. they have done that? That was that was my that was my part. I who, feel like who was the quarterback last year? So it was Savage and maybe mm-hmm. Weed in, and Savage plays the whole year, and you go four and twelve. Right. Let's just say yeah, yeah, that. yeah. All right. So they're starting over at quarterback. Do they go? They would. I don't think they would go for Kirk Cousins. I don't. They, think so they would have, even though he has. I think they would way, have kicked the tires on it, but not eventually not done it. It would be Osweiler expense there to get Cousins or the yep. 2018 equivalent of that, and Cousins obviously great more games, a right. great many more games, right. body of work than Osweiler coming in here, but I still don't think they would have done that. I think the Keenum thing. Maybe it feels sort of Hoyerish, right. even though Keenum had a much better year than Hoyer ever had, and right. they had tremendous success going to the NFC Championship game. It still feels kind of Hoyerish to do Keenum and then draft a guy, but they would have had to. They would have had to do something like that, John. They would have had to get a, a veteran backup yep. placeholder guy and then go heavy in this draft for a quarterback having the number four overall pick you're going to get one of those guys you might get a mayfield you're not going to get darnold in all likelihood you could get allen you could get one of the other guys could get lamar jackson here's the thing that i propose which could have worked out i I think beautifully and that's if the patriots had held on to jimmy garoppolo then he becomes then he becomes a free agent then you make a deal for him because you get a deal with him you're going to pay him decent money. Now, there would probably be some, some oh, vitriol. Oh, be a lot of Brock. No. Is it going to be the same thing? Listen, he would not have played at all for the 49ers, obviously. I, I, he would have I, been yeah. the backup in New England all year. All you would have had to evaluate is the starts he had, the action he had when Brady was out with the suspension. And would that have been enough to pay him whatever he was going to get? But here's another question. Garoppolo never goes to San Francisco. What's he getting on the open market as a free agent? Oh, Certainly not what he got. With the 49ers right now, no, but it's still going to be a huge. But deal. that's that's what I'm saying. You you would have you would have you would have paid on the potential of what he's doing. Now you hope that with Brock, but you too, just did that with Brock, and and but that's the thing, less you know, action than Brock. I know, but you know Brock and you know Garoppolo. Well, now you do, right. but you don't know Garoppolo. You don't know what he's going to become. Brock, look, his numbers right. 
with the Patriots pre-49ers better than what Brock put up with the Broncos. Brock did navigate the Broncos through some tough waters yeah. that year when Manning got championship hurt and season, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the, he did some things, not unbelievable numbers, but, you know, helped them get some important wins and all of that. Man, that's a tough one. I don't know how you would have looked at Garoppolo at that point. Does it make you appreciate the fact they have the shot? Yeah, exactly. I don't. Why, why are we talking about this? <laughs> Get you worked up. So okay, yeah. let's go to the let's go to the flip side. Right. Okay. Somehow the Texans get Deshaun, but still have the pick, and they still have their pick at number four. Well, that's called luxury. My it, friend. it would be luxury, but what would you do? Mm. So okay. Here, here I don't the have options. the second rounder, but I have the first rounder. But you at got the first four. rounder at number four. Mm-hmm. So you're getting an elite player. So here are the names that have been talked about: Sam Darnold, quarter. Now quarterbacks, you're probably not. Even, you got the Sean. You're good. So non-position players to talk about: mm-hmm. uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, Derwin James, Bradley Chubb, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds. Number of different names. Uh huh. I said Derwin James. And I said Derwin James after going back and forth. First of all, I think Barkley's not even going to be there at four. I think Barkley's I think Barkley's he's, gone, but Chubb is there at four. That was the other one. Yeah. Drew and I talked about this, uh, and you can hear that in the lab. Derwin James and Bradley Chubb, those are the two names we came back to. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> Do we need some offensive line help? Well, this is one of those years where there's not that offensive tackle, and I feel like the guys you've added to what you've already had on the interior, Right. if you add Nelson, yes, you're better. But if you had Nelson and some other player versus Derwin James and what you already right. have, I think you're better off. I think Derwin James at 6'3", 215, and you saw him play at the University of Miami. He reminds me a little bit of Sean Taylor. I, and I don't know that anybody will ever get close to Sean Taylor. But he's got a little essence. He's got a little bit of that. And it, you're right. Essence, that's the best way of putting it. That's exactly what he has. It feels like that a little. But I think Seth and Mike were talking about this. I didn't hear what they said. I heard them tease the segment. But my feeling is this. You trade down. You know, if you yeah. actually had that number four pick, if I'm Brian Gain, I would say, I love Bradley Chubb. He's my favorite player ever. I mean, this guy's going to be right. J.J. Watt. And he's going to be Whitney Merciless, Genevieve Clowney, everybody. Yep. Wrapped up into one. I mean, you, because you want to make people think that you're really interested in that pick. Yep. Then I'd take every phone call I possibly could because somebody's going to trade up with you to take a quarterback. And you know who's going to do that? Who's that? Where's Brian Gain? Last year? Buffalo. Buffalo's got two first-rounders. Would you take those two first-rounders and move down to 12 and 21? Heck yeah. Heck yes. Yes. This year's team with Watson? Yes. Now, unfortunately, you don't have that pick, and you pick fourth (laughs) in the third round. So You'll still get a player there. Hey, look, there's a a pretty rich area, but I'm with you. I would have traded. I would have traded out of four, and I would have come up with a boatload of picks, especially if three quarterbacks go off the board at one, two, and three, and there's only two quarterbacks what left. What value? Oh, the Cardinals and Bills, and the, the Dolphins, they're all clawing over each other to get up they, to the Texas They are, pick so four. you could get an overpay oh, right there. Absolutely. Somebody's going to oh, pay you yes. too much. I mean, there's no doubt. And by the way, tune into our draft coverage this weekend to see if the Texans will make a trade because if they do – then so can you. Mattress Firm will offer a discount, a 25% discount, for you to trade in your mattress if the Texans make a trade in the draft that is courtesy of Mattress Firm, our official mattress retailer of the Houston Texans. I'm with you, Mark. I would trade down as well. But if I had to sit there, Derwin James, I'll take him. I'll take I'll take the next closest thing to, to Sean Taylor. I, I am. If I have to stay there, I'll take Chubb because – I, I'm sorry. You can't have enough pass rushers. You can't have enough. You can't I have know. enough. And I look know. at the injuries. Last year, you lost two of your best three. Come on. 
I'll take him, and I'll deal with the luxury problem later if they're all healthy. Watch the Browns. Watch the Browns end up with Bradley Chubb with Miles Garrett, and have Garrett and Chubb going forward. That's going to be scary. And a quarterback. And a quarterback. Who's hopefully. learning the ropes, and uh, they can hold opponents low, but not score. I said it last year. I did not want to see the Browns going forward because I feel like the Browns are going to be much, much better. And I got if, a feeling December second they're going to be much, much better. If they scared don't, to think if about. the Browns don't win six games this year, what should happen? Well, Hugh Jackson's going to be there. I don't care what Hugh does this year. I got a feeling Hugh's not there in 2018. He'd have to go 12-4, and four, I, I think, mean, to stay. I mean, 2019. 2019, yeah. I think you're right. They've got to win at least six games. Yeah. I, I think they're good enough to do it. I thought they were good enough to win four or five games minimum last yeah, year. Yeah, they should have. They were close. They were close in a few, just couldn't pull it off. They, if they've got better quarterback play, more consistent quarterback play, I think they'll end up winning those games. Mark? Appreciate it. Thank you, John. Drew Doherty coming in next. We'll talk a little bit more about this proposal and the draft on Thursday night. We'll be back here in a few on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. Been at the radio thing all day long, be it San Antonio, Houston, St. Louis tomorrow, Austin yesterday. Talking about the draft. I'm so ready for it to get here. But We are in the Hyundai Texas Radio Studio where we will be tomorrow, Thursday night, Mark Vandermeer, Andre Ware and myself, the three of us talking draft on night one. Looking forward to that. Now, typically on night one, my man Drew Doherty would be at the draft mm-hmm. location. But, Drew, you're actually going to be here on Thursday night because there is no first-round pick. Is that going to feel weird? By the way, hello. How you doing? I'm great. Live, late, breaking, and local. That's what I'm going to be this year. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It is kind of going to be kind of odd. And you, you reeled off the list, list of cities that you've been on the radio with. Yeah. You also did radio in the lab. That's right, we did. Talking draft, that's on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, so check that out. But yeah, it's going to be weird not being up in Dallas. What was, I mean, the fact is, first of all, you went to college up in Dallas. I mean, it's like the one year for the Texans to not have a first-round pick for you not to go. Yeah. You've gone to New York, you've gone to Chicago, you've gone to Philly, Mm -hmm. and now here it is in Dallas where you went to college, uh, I mean, basically a stone's throw away, relatively Mm -hmm. speaking. And we don't have a first-round pick, so you're going to stay here. I know. I, I got some buddies up there that are kind of bummed that I'm not going to be there. And I'm, I'm bummed that I don't get to see them. But, hey, if it meant Deshaun Watson, then uh, I'll just see them some other time. What was it like? I thought about this the other day because we were talking about the schedule. And, and we talked a little bit about that game in Philadelphia. And over the weekend, NFL Network was playing drafts mm-hmm. and old drafts. And so what they did is they took you know the first round, which is – now, in the back in the day, it used to be like five and a half hours, six hours. I, mean, I remember long, that. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Long. It was long. They they would cut it down to like 90 minutes, and they showed them from 2011 all the way to 2017. And so I was watching the 2017 one because I wanted to relive the moment. And when we're doing the show, we can't hear anything going on. So I have no idea what Mike Mayock's saying. Can't hear what Rich Eisen's saying. Can't hear anything. So it was interesting, and I wanted to hear what they had to say about Deshaun when Deshaun got picked. And Rich Eisen had some really nice things to say about the AFC South, and they were talking about Deshaun in a nice way. And then they cut the show such that they immediately went to the Arizona pick. What was it like being there when Deshaun ended up getting picked? It was awesome. It was unlike any of the other drafts I'd been to, obviously. But what we did was we got there probably five hours early to set up, get things ready, because there's a pretty massive security presence there you have to get through. So we got set up, we did some work uh, ahead of time, and then we had about an hour before the draft even started, and we went out in the crowd and, and looked around, and they had a they had a pretty robust crowd. They, yeah. they, they said it was 70K, but I, I feel like there were more. It than, felt like there was more. It looked like more people because yeah. it was just this massive uh, green space that they did in front of the, the art museum. 
So then we went up, and the draft started, and I, it was kind of like, well, we're going to wait for a while because Texans aren't going to pick. And I, I really did not think the Texans would move up too high. Yeah. I just didn't – I was not accustomed to that. And we're in this media workroom with probably four or 500 other journalists, TV types, all that stuff, and we're hearing the movement about 30 seconds ahead of the television. So just kind of in the middle of it all, uh, and it's a loudspeaker, just a, a calm voice over the loudspeaker says, the Houston Texans are now on the clock. They've made a trade with Cleveland. And it was like a bomb went off. Because, <laughs> you know, we're the only ones there really from Houston. Yeah, yeah. And I just hit the caps lock and I tweeted out basically what yeah, they yeah. said. Yeah, And then it, it went bananas. Because you knew that's who the Texans were going up yeah. to get. You knew it was yeah. they're going after the quarterback because the other two had gone off the board. And there was one first rounder left. Giddy up, you know. It yeah. was so from th- at that point we went into action because we were kind of we were ready. We were, we were ready, but we were just sort of waiting. And then it was because like, at the time the Texans were pick number twenty five. So yeah. the difference between picking twelfth and twenty fifth that is a good a good couple of hours at least. And we you know we sprung into action, got ready, and you know once he finished hugging Goodell and doing a few side interviews yeah. he came back and that's when we meet him and it's like hey Deshaun how are you doing I'm Drew with the Texans we're gonna put this microphone on you and you know he, he we're the first people from the team that he yeah, met. yeah really if you think about it yeah, yeah. Uh, that he met after becoming yeah, 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 a, a yeah. draftee he'd met others obviously but we put the microphone on him and then we just followed him and they go through a, a, an absolute car wash once they get picked because yeah. once your name gets called okay you hug your family and you go up and you hug the you're the commissioner, right? You do a few interviews with like Deion Sanders, yeah, yeah, and then one with ESPN, and then you do a few other things. And then you come out, and we get him. He goes and does a radio interview with like the serious guys. He went and signed some stuff for Panini. He did something with EA Sports. NFL media has yeah. their things, and one of the coolest things I've ever seen post draft. It is the coolest thing that I've seen as far as uh, content wise. Last year they had the draft picks mothers write them a letter. So yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're in town about three or four days prior to the draft. So they get the, the mothers aside at some point and they say write a letter to that your you son, want yeah. your son to read aloud. And mm-hmm. I mean it was just so touching uh, seeing yeah. him read that and 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 all that. So that was really cool. He started crying and you know, we were in there watching it. And he the group of people that were following him around was pretty interesting too. It was his agent and then you had Jordan Palmer, his quarterback yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His brother Carson Palmer, yep. and um, it was it was just fun seeing him go through all that and seeing him um, interact with people because he was he's a magnet. I mean, yep. you you run across backstage there at the draft, you run across all manner of folks, me, national media, other draft picks, other draft picks, families, Hall of Famers, you know, other former players doing stuff, and they were all drawn to him. Yeah, other college coaches, you know, there's a lot of yeah, college yeah. coaches that are hanging yep. around. They a lot of all, doing TV, David Shaw, Stanford, yes, yeah. They all came up to him. And it and not that the they didn't in the past with the other draft picks right. that the Texans have taken, but this guy's different, man. I mean, they he was a magnet. It's so funny because he when he got here the next day, so he gets here on Friday. So Friday's always I, I, I Friday's always a really interesting day, I think, around here after the first round because mm-hmm. the first round pick shows up. Yep. 
And then you have the second and third rounds later that night. So you have this energy that comes in the building when the first, hey, the first round pick is yeah. here. And then he meets the media. And then he does radio with us. He does TV with you. He does all these different things. And then it dips for a few hours and, and then it surges boom. back up. Right, yeah. exactly. And it's like this you get this jolt of energy when mm-hmm. he comes in. And then you get this jolt of energy when the second and third round start. So I always look forward to that Friday. This one even more so because it's – it's Deshaun Watson. And it, and it's it's national championship quarterback. You know, it's the guy that yeah. I saw on TV. I said this to Tyron Matthew the other day when Tyron walked in. I said, man, I got to admit, I love that you're here. Please don't misunderstand me. It's surreal to see you here. Yeah. But to and it was kind of that way with Deshaun when he walked in. It was like he, I was, we were in the old studio next door. Mm-hmm. And he walked in and he goes, hey, I'm Deshaun Watson. I was like, <laughs> yeah, we know nah, who you are. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I know who you are. We're, we're all right with that. Well, it's funny, though. You know, I started summer of 09, so the first draft with the Texans I was here was 2010. So yeah. 10, 11, mm-hmm. 12, and 13, I'd go to the airport uh, in the limo, right? and we'd have a camera and put a, a microphone on these guys, and we'd film their first day. So Kareem Jackson, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, and DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. I did that with. Well, then once I, in 14, when we had the first overall pick, we decided, well, we should be there. We, sh- we need to be there for that. Because, at the draft. At the draft because there's so much content that we think we'll get. Yeah. And when we went, we realized, we didn't realize how much content we were going to actually get. We should be here no matter when we're picking in the first right, round. Right, right. And that's what we've done ever since. So, right. so no 14 was year, the first year you went to the draft. 14 in New York uh, huh. with Clowney, and that was really, really fun. Yeah. I thought Chicago did it better the next two years. Yep, 15 and 16, yep. Even though New York did it splendidly. Right. So I think Chicago was better. I like Philly. I just think I like Chicago better. I'm curious to see how it goes in Arlington. It'll be the biggest. It'll be the I mean, I've seen some of the pictures that, yeah. you know, some of the NFL network personnel and some of the ESPN personnel are tweeting pictures from inside. And it's a pretty amazing setup from mm-hmm. what you can see. But it looks like the way they have it set up that kind of like with – it's like a. It's like a. Uh, Remember Candlestick when Candlestick was set up for football, there would be certain seats uh-huh. that would block. You were blocked by the way that they had other seats come out. The way that the set is set up, there might be some areas in the in the lower stands it's like a where political it's blocked. Convention. It's right. supposed to be like a political convention. Right. It's exactly yeah. what it looks like. So in the third, in the second deck and on above, you probably can have people because they can look down from the back right. of it. But you may not have people down on the first row. But they're expecting two hundred seventy thousand people this week, mm-hmm. and it's just gotten. Bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's it's not obviously on par with the Super Bowl because there's no true football going on, but it has become such an event, mm-hmm. such an event. It's and, it's going to come I mean, here someday. It'll it'll come. Yeah, here. it'll come here. It'll be amazing. They're going to bounce. This is what's going to happen. I mark my words. I don't know how soon, but in in the next decade, I think what you're going to see is it rotate every single year. The first round, yep. you'll be in a different city every every single year. Yep. But then the second night will also be in a different city than the first night. Was. Oh, I got you. So it'll be like a and then Houston, the, Dallas, and then the New Orleans thing. Yeah, and then the third day will be the same thing. It'll be in a different city as well. But you could do the first night in an NFL city, the second night in an NFL city, and then you could do like the third day in an NFL city, or you could go to Austin or Omaha or Portland yeah. or Tuscaloosa. I think that's what they want to do. They want to expose it to as many different places because they set up and do a fan experience right. in every single spot. Yeah, that's true. And with computers and phones, you can make it happen. It's yeah. not there's a way to make this happen. And I think that's what they're gonna we're gonna see the NFL do eventually. It was pretty fascinating to watch it in Philadelphia uh, last year. Uh, I think they had some. I want to say they had some bad weather the last 
day, but the first two days I Gorgeous. remember Gorgeous, yeah. It was, really, it was really nice and warm when we were there. Yeah. yeah. I, and I've, I've just been fascinated about that process. When Deshaun, it's funny you, you brought up the letter, because that was that was the thing that I had seen. I was like, I got it. When my when my um, my dad, when I when I turned 17, called my dad out a little bit, we used to always drive together to school. Mm-hmm. And so it's my 17th birthday. And we get in the car, and he doesn't say a word. And my dad was not talkative by nature, so I wasn't too surprised by it, but I was a little peeling. You know, it's my birthday, man. I didn't say anything. So I go to my first period class, which was trigonometry, and no big deal. I go to my second period class, and that was history. And he was a history teacher, and so my classroom was right next to his. And so when I walk in to class, I see there's a note on on my desk, and it says, you know, for the desk of John Harris. He's crossed out John Harris, and he's put dad. And then ah. he just wrote me this note, and it was a short note. And it just basically was, um, happy birthday, proud of you. You know, all these 17 years, you've done some great things, and you got great things in store. And I kept that with me. Oh, like, nice, yeah. E- you know, every day. It's in, my, it's in my wallet. Sometimes I don't carry my wallet. I just carry, like, you know, the cards I need that day. But I've carried that with me every mm-hmm. day, everywhere I've gone since. And I, I remember when he walked in, I said, you got that letter? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to be carrying it with me. And I said, I reached into my wallet, and I said, this is one my dad wrote to me when I was 17. Oh, I was wow. like, I keep it with me. And he was just like, oh, he says, that's really cool. And so it was kind of neat to kind of share that that sort of thing with yeah. him. But especially the connection he has with his with his mother, who has gone to, through some tough times physically, yeah, having sure. gone through cancer. Uh, it was it was really touching. But it was just amazing to see him in this building. But we, I, I remember when we, it was funny because the draft, you know, on our, our, our clock is set. For the show, we have three segments. We have you know three breaks, and they're all pretty set standard where they're supposed to be. The draft is a little different because you try and time it between a couple picks, and it's so a tap dance. You gotta, it is. You really, really got to cho- choreograph some and, things. And, and Mark does a hell of a job trying to get us in and out of breaks. And so decided after the uh, I think it was the eleventh pick. Uh, he he told him, I think it may have been Brandon back in studio. I can't remember. He tells Brandon, "Hey, we're going to go to a break." And this is probably a good time to take it. And we're trying to plan it out. Like, okay, this will probably get us the next probably four or five picks. Okay, this is probably a good time to take a break. Trying to plan it out, all thinking about pick number 25. So so he goes to the bathroom. Seth goes to the bathroom. And I kind of just step away from my chair a little bit. And I just happen to hear somewhere the Texans have traded up. <laughs> and I don't even know where I heard it. But I immediately sat back down on my computer and went, what? And I just get on the computer. And I started looking like, okay, what can I see? What can I see? And then I see it, and I'm like, and at that point, Mark has finally walked back up. Yeah, I'm like, we got to get out of this break, Mark. The Texans are about to pick, and his eyes just went, what? <laughs> and I was like, we've traded up. I love it. And so at that point, we're like scrambling. We put on headphones like, Brandon, you got to get us. Okay, what more do we have left in this break? Okay, we've got 30 seconds. Okay, uh, we, you know, we're just going nuts. And yeah. luckily, we're able to get back on. And as we came back on about a minute later, Goodell went up timing, and said, yeah. somebody said, hey, there's going to be a trade. And I just remember saying, to your point about quarterback, I remember saying, because as soon as it happened, as soon as it was announced at the draft party, everybody was like, we got our quarterback. to show Everybody's going crazy. And I just remember saying to Mark on the air, I said, Mark, I said, if this is not a quarterback, if this is not Deshaun, I'm out the gate and I'll see you on Monday because yeah. it's going to be a full-on riot. Yeah. And it ended up being Deshaun. But it was just to see the look on his – I mean, I was shocked. And then I looked at Mark and was like, we traded up, and he just went. And so at that point, now we've got to navigate 
how do we get back on the air to make sure that we capture this? You got it. Yeah. And capture it live. And luckily, you know, we luckily had a, had a little a, bit of time. Luckily, there's such a buffer of time between a little bit. Yeah. the leaks that get out and yep. the actual pick itself. It helps. Uh-huh. It definitely helps. And it helped us in that case. I would imagine for round one this year, we'll, it'll be that case. But uh, be quiet, yeah. 2019 down the road, it definitely will be there. But I always wanted to kind of pick your brain about what it was like to be on site, especially for fun. that one in Philly. It was a lot of fun. There's such an energy there. It was, yeah. it was a great time. And, and it, it was it was just so cool. I'm on Instagram today, I, I pumped out one of those pictures of me. I saw it. And that's the, what made me think about yeah, it because you put that mic, mic on DeAndre. I'll do one in a, a couple days of uh, me with JJ. I can't find the ones where I did it with Kareem and Whitney for some reason, but yeah, I got JJ and DeAndre, so those are pretty fun. That's very cool. Drew, appreciate you stopping by, Anytime, brother. Anytime, man. It's the draft. We're, we're finally here, man. I can't wait. Oh, man. Finally can't here. Can't wait. You are the best, Drew Doherty. Coming up, we have got the draft starting tomorrow, so I got to get on the books about some of my favorite sleepers. I talked about some of them, but I've come up with about a dozen. Try to get one at each position if I could that you've got to keep an eye on throughout this entire three-day draft, including an Ivy League area quarterback. Yes, we'll talk about that next right here on Texas All Access. One final last segment before the NFL draft tomorrow. A reminder, we will have the draft for you right here on Sports Radio 610. It'll start at 6 o'clock with Texans All Access. At 7 o'clock, Mark Vandermeer, myself, and Andre Ware will take over the draft coverage and have you for the rest of the evening on Thursday. On Friday, we'll take over at 6. Mark Vandermeer, myself, and Mike Meltzer on Friday. Robert Hensley will also be along with us, I believe, on Friday as well. Saturday, we're split up into two groups. The first morning group is going to be Sean Pendergast, Ted Johnson, and myself. The second group on Saturday will be Mark Vandermeer, myself, and Paul Gallant. So, Looking forward to our draft coverage all weekend long right here on our flagship Sports Radio 610. Now that it's finally here, my Harris 100 is set. I can't change it. I say that. Yet there are a couple of players I would change. Here's one of the things about about doing, trying to do what I do. and I read so much and I and I go through so much and I look at what other people have just to kind of, you know, am I in the ballpark on this? And sometimes I talk myself out of what I know to be true and it bothers me because there are times that I look at a player and go, that's a dude. I know it's a dude. I know he's going to be an absolute stud. And I give you as an example, Frank Ragnow. Here's my overall assessment of Ragnow. Watching Ragnow versus TCU, now this is early in the 2016 season, I was a bit worried that I was going to get carried away. At the time, I thought that he was the best center in the country, but I didn't want to be a guy that instantaneously overreacts to one game, etc. I made a note to watch him closely uh, closely as the season progressed, yet my opinion didn't change. Ragnow is still the best center in the nation draft prospect or otherwise. And now Ragnow's being talked as a first-round pick. I produced that piece of work back in June. So... I feel like I was a little bit ahead of the curve on Ragnow, and he's probably going to go in the first round. But, you know, all the predictions are there. The mock drafts are there. The top 100s are there, all that kind of stuff. I do expect Ragnow to go uh, in the first round. There's been a lot of smoke around him going in the first round. He deserves to. He's a really – he's an excellent football player. I was hoping that he'd maybe stick around to the bottom of the second round that Texas could sneak up and go grab him and put him on the interior with Nick Martin, Zach Fulton, Senio Camlete, and kind of let those guys all fight it out because Frank Ragnow is a heck of a football player. But – that's just one. Now, there are going to be guys, especially going on day three, 
that I think are sleepers to keep an eye on. Guys that end up going on day three. I'm going to start in the Southland Conference because some people know that I do uh, on uh, Texans home games or bye weeks or Monday night games, and I have the opportunity to go call a college game on Saturday. I've been doing a lot of Southland Conference games. And Southland, Con- Southland Conference, I think, has two. Well, it's, uh, you know what? I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you three sleepers that I think two of them are going to be drafted. I think the other one may not be, but I think he's going to end up getting to a roster and making a bid for a 53-man roster. I'm going to start with Trey Smith, the cornerback out of Central Arkansas. 5'10", 190, ran a 4.38 as pro day, smoked it, and a heck of a player. Has some baseball in his background, plays the deep ball extremely well. I saw him against HBU, and I had seen him the week before against Sam Houston in preparation for my game against HBU. He had been the defensive player of the week, so immediately. And that was against Sam Houston State, and Sam Houston State scores on everybody. And when I see that you're defensive player of the week against Sam Houston State, I got to check you out. So I started looking at this kid and went, whoa, he can play. Saw him in a game against HBU. He makes this spinning, leaping interception on the sideline, gets the toe inbounds, playing with a cast on his hand. He's phenomenal. And I remember writing down, this guy's an NFL player. I told a buddy of mine about him. I said, you need to go check him out. But a week later, I get a text and said, boy, you were right. And all of a sudden, Tremont Smith has been visiting the Eagles, the Colts, a number of different teams. Uh, the Raiders as well. Trey Smith, Central Arkansas. I think he ends up going on day three, but, man, he is a big-time player. Uh, and I think he's going to end up making a roster and be a part of a team's secondary uh, and eventually impact that secondary by getting on the field. Second one out of Southland Conference, P.J. Hall. Now, I think Hall is going to go higher than any of the players from Southland Conference. And I think he could sneak into the third round. I don't ultimately think. I think he's probably a 3-4, round three, round four guy. But those of you that have followed Sam Houston State football, you know. The guy was a complete just shop wrecker every time. And I probably did, I think I did five Sam Houston State games. Uh, no, I did six. Six in two years. One of them, Hall didn't play. That was the opening game against Richmond where I saw Kyle Auletta up close. And I didn't think second or third round, but that's ultimately where he might go. But I thought he'd be an NFL player. Either way, P.J. Hall could dominate, could completely just take over games against FCS competition. Had a great week at the Shrine at the Shrine Bowl, and he parlayed that into a oh no that's right he didn't get a combine invite, so on his pro day back in late March he blew it up. It's a guy at six foot, a six foot and a half inch, so about the height of Baker Mayfield, three oh eight. Played his junior year at two eighty five. Played at three oh eight as a three ten as a senior. Three oh eight as pro day. Had a thirty eight inch vertical. I just said three oh three hundred eight pounds. Thirty eight inch vertical. Ran 4.75 in the 40. Did 37 reps of 225 at a bench. Strong as an ox, quick, fast, disruptive. Blocked 14 kicks in his career. Could dominate FCS competition when he wanted to. And that was, if there's an issue, that was it. Would he always do that? Because there were times you he'd kind of, eh, but he could play every position on the defensive line. And when it was time to make a play, 92 made a play. P.J. Hall from out of South, uh, Sam Houston State. The third one is actually right here in Houston at HBU, Garrett Dolan. One of the smartest, most instinctive linebackers I saw on film on any level. And watching him, and I did, I think, probably four HBU games in the last couple of years, he was, he was the middle of that defense. There's been a lot of talk about Chris Hardiman from out of A-Leaf who went to Oklahoma State and then went to HBU. Dolan may not have quite that athleticism. We talk about smarts, instinctive. I kind of liken him to uh, Max Bulla without some of the off-the-field issues. 
I think that's kind of what Garrett Dolan is. Big time player. And I know there's some teams around the league that are looking at him saying, this guy's our sleeper. Shh, don't talk about him. Well, I just talked about him. So Garrett Dolan from out of HBU. I don't think that Dolan ends up getting drafted, but I do think he's going to be a priority free agent. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for where Garrett Dolan, and he would be, I believe, the first HBU player on into a camp position player. I don't I don't think they've had anybody else prior to that. I can remember. I could be wrong, but that I remember. But Dolan was an All-American, All-Southern Conference, tackled everything. Keep an eye on Garrett Dolan from out of HBU. My quarterback that I think could end up being a sleeper. Everybody's talking about Kyle Aletta and uh, even some of the other guys, Kurt Ben, Kurt Mike White, guys who are at the Senior Bowl. I'm going to give you Chad Canoff, quarterback, Princeton. Yes, I said Princeton. He's an Ivy Leaguer. Deal with it. 6'4", 220, ran 4'8", in his, in his 40. He's got a ton of athleticism. And I saw two games with Canoff last year. One was against my – and I had to turn it off, playing Brown. And they scored every time they had the ball. It was, it was scary. And then against Harvard, he did the same thing. It was up and down the field. Complete over 73% of his passes. A tremendous developmental prospect, I think. I would love to see Chad Canoff here. A guy with size, speed, dual threat ability, and arm strength and toughness. Man, I, th- I saw him take some shots and stand in there. And compl- There's one corner route that he completed. I think it may have been against Cornell. And it was a deep corner route. It was from the right hash all the way to the left sideline. And he hung in there, and he knew where he wanted to go with the ball. He just waited for his receiver to get there. And he let it go and took a shot in the chops. And I'm talking drop it in the bucket. Chad Canoff, Princeton. Definite sleeper as a uh, quarterback. Now, not all the sleepers that I have pointed out all come from FCS schools. Those guys all did. One that comes from an FBS school. In fact, he played against, I believe he played against Deshaun uh, from North Carolina. His name is Andre Smith. Andre played at a tremendous high school in Jacksonville called Trinity Christian. Trinity Christian, in this draft alone, has four guys that came out of that draft, the the, the 2014 Trinity Christian team. And I used to coach against Trinity Christian. And it was right at that point where Trinity decided, uh, we're going to be a really good football team and a really good athletic program. And it's gone through the roof. Well, this year they have Kevin Tolliver, corner out of LSU, Kendrick Norton, defensive lineman at Miami, uh, Andre Smith, and Jeff Holland out of Auburn. Those are four guys that came out of the same high school program. I mean, this was dominant state-winning championship team. Smith didn't play much this year. He was hurt in the second game, missed the rest of the year. But he was able to come back and work out, ran 4.63 at the combine, six foot, about 235, 240, and will knock your lights out. He will hit you. Oh, my goodness. He filled in for Shaquille Rashad, who was in camp and in, on this Texas uh, practice squad for a couple of years. So he stepped in for Shaquille, different kind of player. Smith is a hitter, probably a, a first and second down player and special teams. You talk about rocked up and will strike. Andre Smith out of North Carolina is definitely one of those guys. Timon Paris is an offensive tackle out of Stony Brook. Stony Brook, yeah, FCS school. Got into the playoffs this year. Went to go watch the playoff game to see him. And I'm trying to figure out where he is. And I'm, I had seen him before, and I'm, wait a second, he's not on the field. He got hurt about halfway through the year and missed most of the season. But an athletic-looking, long-arm offensive tackle, and I think he probably stays a tackle, that you probably can get in rounds four and five. And the Texans don't have a fifth-round pick. Maybe he slips to six. But Timon Paris out of Stony Brook is a definite sleeper in this draft uh, worth uh, keeping an eye on. No doubt about that. Now, a couple of guys from Grambling that I really like. Running back, 
uh, by the name of Martez Carter. Little guy, short guy, 5'7", 210, ran 4'4'9", smoked it. And you talk about a human highlight reel, holy smokes. And then safety, Montrell Meander, 6'2", 215, 4'4", in the 40. Safety with 37.5-inch vertical leap. Saw both of them on film and thought, man, they could play. You match that with the pro day athleticism, holy smokes. There are some pretty good players right there from Grambling. Martez Carter, the running back, and Montrell Meander, the safety for the Grambling Tigers. So there you go. A few sleepers to keep an eye on. I got a few more. I got an article coming out of Washington Post on Friday where you can read a few more that I've pointed out. But the draft starts tomorrow. It's going to be fun. Glad you're here with us for the entire weekend. I will be there the entire weekend talking ball, talking draft. Andre, Mark, and myself on Thursday. A reminder, you do not want to miss it. All access at 6. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. The NFL is on the clock starting tomorrow night, and I can't wait. We'll see you then, everybody. As always, go Texans.